0: This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on the orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you and you would have a breakthrough. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, we are so glad you are here. Whether you are here in the house today, joining us live online, or listening throughout the week, I'm so glad you're here. And for those of you locally, I want to remind you that in a few weeks, we're changing our service times. So we will no longer have a 10 a.m. service. It will be 10.30. Uh, we, we, we thought about not telling you, so you'd still show up on time, um, being Colorado. But I actually remember we did this because we need more room. As we get into the fall, we have more and more people coming and, and, and coming to hear what God, and see what God's doing. Uh, we need at least 100 of you To commit to switch to the 9 a.m. service. And remember, with the time change, it's kind of all the same anyway, right? And so 9 a.m. starting October 1st, we look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much. My wife, ladies and gentlemen. And they don't even applaud for me the whole time. It's just the way it goes. We do not make this switch of time, times of services for ourselves. We make it so that many in our region who do not yet know Jesus can come and find a place to learn about him. And last week, we have been looking at how Jesus modeled what it meant to follow him. We talked about those small groups and how we encouraged you to get into a community group. And I'm going to encourage you once again. The one thing you can do this year that will help transform your spiritual life is to get into a community group. That's what we call our small groups here. That's where you sit in groups in a living room and you talk about your faith and yourself and you hear about other people. And uh, if you would like to sign up, or even if you would not like to sign up, you can sign up in your bulletin or right outside here after service, we have a whole booth where you guys can register for that. Please try it out and step into this. But as we've been looking at what it means to follow Jesus, we're gonna be looking at that the next couple of weeks. And we're, everybody keeps asking me, when are we gonna get back into the book of Exodus? And believe me of all people, that is what I'm excited about. We're going to do that in the middle of October. And Exodus, we left it right before the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to do a deep dive on all the Ten Commandments and in the temple. It's going to be a great, as we, as we look at what God has done in, those, in that Old Testament passage. But between then and now, we're going to be looking at what it means to follow Jesus, like truly follow Jesus. And today, we're going to be looking at that very thing. And before I start, I want to tell you about somebody who's very important to me. His name is John. He was born June twenty eighth of nineteen sixty. He excelled as a young kid at sports, even from his childhood. You could tell that he had greatness in him. Middle school, high school, captain, and so much so they went to school. He went to college on an athletic scholarship. He went to Stanford University, where he also excelled. And there, after spending his time, he was drafted by the New York Yankees in the second round. But he didn't want to play baseball. He was drafted also in the first round by the Baltimore Colts, but he didn't want to play in Baltimore. So he played in Colorado for the greatest team the world has ever known, the Denver Broncos. And and this John went on to win two Super Bowls. Nine Pro Bowl selections. He recorded the most victories at that time of any quarterback and statistically still the second greatest quarterback in passing and the first in passing in our hearts, of course. He has many achievements, but also um, I have some emotional moments with John. I don't just want to talk about John and his achievements like so many would. I have some emotional moments with John. There were times in my childhood I would jump out of my seat and yell as loud as I could because John did something. Not, not even joking. I, I, I would praise John. I would talk about him excitedly at school. I defended John. If someone said something about John I didn't like, I never stepped down from a fight when it came to to John. I was a John evangelist. I was a John apologist. As a child, there were oftentimes, it wasn't all good. There were times I cried. There were times I would fall to my knees in bitter disappointment as a child based on what John did or did not do. I remember specifically in 1997, in my youth I remember being in a group of other grown men who were, we were all crying and jumping around together, yelling and just weeping openly, as men are known to do in February sometimes. You see, in my life, I've known John's stats, I've known John's information, and I have had emotional moments with John. But I don't know John Elway at all. Not even a, not, I. Never even met the guy. I know his statistics. I don't know his character. I know his information. I don't know his personality. I know all about him in some ways, but in about the ways that matter most, I don't know anything. I know about John Elway, but I don't know him. I'm just a fan. And there are other people that many of us know about who are celebrities and athletes and authors and musicians, and and we know all about their facts and their information and how many albums and what tour and, and who's wearing what. We maybe even follow them on social media but we don't know them. In our culture, you can know all about them, and you can even follow them digitally and not follow them physically. And don't do that. Don't just start following somebody that you, you're, you're, you like out there. Okay, just don't do that. I'm not saying that this morning. I am saying there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. And for some of us, when it comes to Jesus, we know the information. We know the statistics. We even know, like, you know, Christmas, Christmas. Easter, we've maybe had some experiences in places like this, or in services, or in sermons, or in worship, where we've had experiences with God that have moved us in, in, to tears even. But if we're honest, some of us would say, I don't really know him. We know the facts, but we don't know the person. And today's question is this Am I actually a follower of Jesus? Some of us today might, you might be here honestly or listening along with us, and you might say, no, I'm actually not a follower of Jesus. I'm still checking it out. I haven't decided those things yet. And if that's you, then, then today's message is one for you to sit in on and listen at the difference between conforming to a religion and being transformed in a relationship. And I want you to sit here and listen to these things as we talk about them. You see, religion asks you to conform, to change on the outside the way that you, you, know, that you talk or you behave, all those things. But Jesus is about transformation from the inside. You see, while conforming may be skin deep, transformation is soul and spirit deep. So for those of you just checking it out today, not sure what you believe about Jesus, not settled on who he is or what you believe, this is a good opportunity for you to get a glimpse behind the curtain to see the vast difference between a religion and what a religion religious compliance is compared to Jesus' conviction. So today we ask, am I just a fan of Jesus, or am I actually a follower of Jesus? Now, for many of us who sit in in places like this or listen along, your immediate response is, well, of course I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm here. I've, I've known Jesus my whole life. But let me clarify. When I ask if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm not asking these questions. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you were raised in a Christian family. I'm not asking you if you raised your hand at some point during a sermon, threw a stick in a fire at a youth camp, or walked down an aisle ever. I'm not asking if you pre, uh, re, um, prayed a preacher's prayer with him. I'm not asking if you own a Bible. I'm not asking if your social media is, is marked as Christian. Uh, many of us are quick to say that we are followers of Jesus. But do we really understand what that would look like and what we're saying? And Jesus himself had some startling things to say about this very topic, some challenging things. And I want to start off with these verses that, again, are very challenging to set up where we're going today. In Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking about the future someday, about the age to come when this age ends, when this world ends. And he talks about many who would claim to know him and who are shocked to find out the truth. Listen to this, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Did I not go to church? Did I not go to a small group? Did I not give? Did I not this, that, and the other? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. That is challenging. I don't know if that is often preached in church, but I would be a a bad pastor if we didn't address the issue we're going to be looking at today. It seems that at the end of days, there are many who consider themselves to be Jesus' followers who will find out that he does not recognize them. And it's a sobering thought and one that I believe is worth us stopping to consider today. I believe if it is that important, eternally important, we should listen to this. Are you a follower of Jesus? Now, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan, and in this book, it explores very bluntly the difference between fans and followers. And much of what I'm going to be speaking about today um, it comes from Eidelman's thesis. And I would, if you want to challenge yourself, that is a great book to dive into. And there are a lot of us who would claim to be followers of Jesus. Yet the word follower, if we're to look at it, doesn't actually describe our faith and our life. If we're honest, we're not so much a follower as we are a fan. I want to clarify something today before I go any further. There is a vast difference between condemnation and conviction. You've heard me say this before. Condemnation is when the enemy tells you you're not good enough, you're not doing it right, God wants nothing to do with you. Condemnation is not from God and condemnation sends you away from God. That's not what we want in this house. That's not what we want in these messages. What we want is the Holy Spirit's conviction. It's where the Holy Spirit reveals to us where we can be transformed, adjust our lives, and calls us toward God. So we don't want condemnation through this. We want conviction that by the end of this message, we are moving toward God and what he would have for us. So as I said, many of us are more fan than follower. A fan is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. We're all enthusiastic admirers somewhere in our life. And many of you, you, it's football season again, right? Right? Many of us are enthusiastic admirers. Some of us paint our faces, put on the jerseys, we yell, we go crazy, but we've never sacrificed on the field that we're wa- the game that we're watching. Oh, we know the players and the numbers, but we don't know, actually know the players themselves. Well, we have fans that, that are enthusiastic admirers who, who come on Sunday to, and they go on Sunday, they watch the games being played, but they never played down there in the game on the field. We're we fans in a lot of ways of many things in our life. We also have people who are fans of celebrity news and celebrity gossip. We know who's engaged to who, who's having a baby. I mean, we know even what Kanye's tweeting. Kanye doesn't know what he's tweeting, right? We know what the Kardashians are wearing. We know who Taylor Swift is, is dating. But we don't know any of them. We're enthusiastic fans, enthusiastic admirers. A fan, if we're honest, can be rather easy at times. All you do, all you have to do, especially for sports, You just put on the right color. You you get in a room and you yell the right things. You go to the right place, and, and there you go. You're a fan. And if I'm honest, being a fan of Jesus is pretty easy in our culture, in our time. You show up at the right place. You say the right things. Have some of the right actions. And no one would know that you actually didn't follow the guy we're talking about. You see, being a fan of Jesus means that we enjoy the benefits of being around Jesus and being around the church, but without any real sacrifice at all. We like to go to the rallies on the weekends, on Sundays, but like, let's, let's not get too crazy, preacher, about during the week at work. Remember, being a fan of Jesus is easy, and here are some things that, that fans of Jesus mistake. They mistake knowledge about Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. They mistake emotion for Jesus for devotion to Jesus. They mistake good intentions for authentic faith, and they mistake Sunday attendance for actually being the church wherever you go. And when it comes to being a fan, when things are good, we're good. That's how it often goes. You may have heard of a bandwagon fan. You may have stayed up late and watched the Colorado Buffaloes last night. They have a lot of new fans and bandwagon fans are when, so when things are going well, we're all in. And I'm all in. When things are going well, that's when the bandwagon is moving. But when things get difficult, when things stop being fun, we oftentimes find something else to get excited about. You see, I've, I've, we are simply fans of Jesus. Then when things get hard in our life, when things get difficult, our passion begins to wane. Perhaps you've seen that in your life. That there are times where it was fun. It's fun to be a part of God's church or fun to be involved in these things. And yet when life got hard, the passion drained from it. And it just wasn't doing it for us anymore. You see, we can sit safely in a crowd and cheer for Jesus on the weekend for a song or two. But we can walk away pretty easily when life gets hard or when topics about sacrificially giving or choosing to to set aside our pet sins come up. You see, Jesus is looking for people to come to him with a real and authentic faith, looking for a real and authentic relationship who seek him, not just the benefits, but who want to know him. And here's a few clarifying questions I've asked myself while writing this. And here's one. Do the things that break Jesus's heart still break my heart do the sins that separate me from the life he calls me to am i still convicted about those things do the purposes of god to go forth and live a life worthy of the calling he's given me does that still thrill me at all am i a fan am i someone who likes the idea of team jesus or am i a follower of jesus that even when life is hard When circumstances begin to crumble, when the valley is dark, when the diagnosis comes, when these things happen, when the marriage is failing, when when the temptation is calling, am I still pursuing? When it's not fun, it's hard. And what do you think Jesus thinks about these fans versus followers discussion? I'm pretty certain that Jesus wasn't interested in having more fans. The Bible is very clear that Jesus would often say things on purpose to separate his fans from his followers in fact jesus was never impressed or never mot- and never motivated by the size of the crowds he was always more interested in the size of the commitment of the individuals in orchard god wants us god wants here at the orchard is not for us to be a, a larger sized church but to have larger commitments to him in our own hearts that's what he's looking for most in this place. One pastor said it this way, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but who aren't actually all that interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. And what God wants most from us, the orchard, is a gathering of imperfect people, which we are, who are guided by his Holy Spirit, who have a passion for God's purposes and who will say yes to God's desires and who will follow him when life is good on the mountaintops and when life is dark in the valleys. What we want is a gathering of authentic people who have a robust and real faith in Jesus and who dare to walk the courageous path of fully devoted followers in a culture that has set itself against God's ways. He's looking for a people who have a fire for God within their hearts and will carry that flame out into a world and illuminate Jesus so they can see who he is. He's looking for fully devoted followers. Who are we, Orchard? Who are you? Who am I? Am I a fan or am I a follower? Clarifying question. How does Jesus define what it means to follow him? What would he say about that? Not some some other book, not tradition, not some spiritual rules, not our pop culture, but Jesus, the one who we're supposed to be following, what would he say about these things? Because during his time on earth, he had many things to say. I never heard him once ask somebody, go paint your face and come be a fan of me. Not once. When he would come into contact with so many people, he would often say, Come and follow me. In Luke 9, he gives us a picture of three different people, three people who thought they were followers of Jesus, but as we'll see, there were other things going on, and their lifestyle was revealed that they were actually just fans. And as we read these, I want you to hold them up to your life to see, am I a fan or am I a follower? Luke 9, verse 57, 58. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, this person wants to impress Jesus with their devotion. Jesus tells the man, he says, or he tells the the man, tells Jesus, I will follow you wherever you're going. But Jesus, being divine, knows the man's heart. He knows the man's mind. And Jesus replied like this. Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man, that's him, has no place to lie his head. This is the strangest response if you don't know what he's saying there. I will follow you wherever. Well, foxes have dens. Birds have nests. Like, what's he saying here? What's he talking about? You see, Jesus sees beyond the man's religious words and religious intentions. He sees the heart of this person who says, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. And Jesus draws attention to the, the fact that this person loves comfort. More than following him. He knows this person. You want to follow me wherever I go? You have no idea. I have no place to lay my head tonight. A true follower of Jesus doesn't ask, How can I go and be comfortable while following? And if we're honest with ourselves, as I've been through this week, am I actually following Jesus? Or am I following comfort? Am I just following maybe when it's convenient? In fact, we have made a lifestyle of spiritual coasting, and we've called it Christianity. And perhaps this is what keeps many of us from truly following Jesus. I believe this is what keeps many of us from following Jesus, because we have made comfort our God. And our comfort is what we'll sacrifice for. Our comfort is what we'll live for. My time, my resources, my first fruits, they go to my stuff and my comforts. And and spiritually, we engage at our comfort level. When was the last time you were uncomfortable spiritually? When was the last time you felt that, like, holy nausea nausea when you had to go talk to somebody about God or have a conversation or, or invite somebody or... Or tell somebody authentically about your faith and what God, when was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone in your faith? Our culture doesn't demand it all that much. Where is it the last time you've stepped out of your comfort zone? Maybe, perhaps it was a time where Jesus asked you to do something, get baptized or or say no to something or say yes, and you just, you kind of moved beyond that decision and said no, because that would be stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, in other cultures, Following Jesus doesn't cost you a Sunday morning service shift in other cultures. And there are, there are cultures of, of newer friends that I have made who listen to us right here live and have listened to us live in the middle of the night in secret, lest they be arrested. And their church, there have been people in their church that just stopped showing up. They stopped being in their houses because they were taken There are places where following Jesus doesn't cost us a Sunday morning. It costs them their entire life. You see, convenience was never meant to be a hallmark of following Jesus. And so we have to to ask this question, is my relationship with with Jesus, is it more comfort and convenience or is it more commitment and conviction? The person in the verse 57 that talked about this commitment, when Jesus talked about what the commitment actually looked like, like I have nowhere to lay my head, it's not comfortable. He backed off. And many Christians have decided to believe in Jesus and never committed to follow Jesus. So what about us? Where are the places we've decided to believe in Jesus but we have not committed to follow Jesus? One of the weakest elements of a fan's comfortable faith is the refusal to take risks. Fan, comfortable, convenient faith in Jesus never steps out of a perfectly good boat to walk on faith on top of the water. And it never stops out of a comfortable life and a comfortable day to go have an uncomfortable conversation or to share their faith. A fan's faith is rarely risked. This fan type of faith says, I'll follow Jesus, but... um." Like, don't expect me to forgive that person who did that thing to me. I've earned that resentment. They've earned it. And Jesus is great, but don't talk to me about giving anything to him. I work hard for what I have. And my sex life or my lust, or anger and greed, those, those things, those, that's my business. See, I like Jesus, but my gifts of leadership and the things that, that I have in my life, those are, those are being used to build my kingdom. Maybe when I've done that sufficiently, I'll go and, and help build his kingdom. I'm on board with this Jesus thing, but let me be clear. I have zero desire to have any kind of faith that makes me stand out and look weird. Like, I don't want that kind of stuff, you know? I want to blend in. I'm on board with Jesus, but, but I don't, don't get weird on me. I, I, I follow a version of Jesus that love, he just loves me so much. He doesn't actually care what pet sins I'm involved in. He's cool. We have an agreement. He's kind of cool with it. I love Jesus who tells me to come and have all the good things in life, but don't preach to me, Pastor, a sermon about Jesus who says, Come and sacrifice. The Jesus I follow, let's be honest, he wants me to be happy. In Luke 9 59, we encounter our second fan. Then Jesus said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed. But said, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now, this seems so harsh, as will the next one. But what's Jesus saying here? First of all, let's look at this. The first thing out of this man's mouth was, first, but first, Jesus. The first thing this man does is put Jesus second. I want to follow you, Jesus, but not right now. It's not a good time. We treat our relationship with Jesus like that diet, you know? I I need to go on a diet, but just not today. Not right now. we will start later. I'm sure I'll get baptized, but like, oh, yeah, no, no, not right now. I'll say yes to those things eventually when I get some stuff figured out, but not yet. One of the thoughts here is that Jesus is being a bit too harsh on this man. I mean, it seems like his dad has died and he wants to bury him. I mean, come on, Jesus. But in reality, the understanding here is the man is actually saying, when my parents die, I'll bury them. Then I'll be free to follow you. First let my parents die, and then I'm all yours. And Jesus says, follow me. And the man says, I'll do it later. So like many fans, he's waiting for his external circumstances to resolve before making a true commitment. Waiting for things to fall to the right place to be the right time to really follow Jesus. First, let me uh, go take care of some business, Jesus, then I'm all yours. Let me go have some fun, Jesus, and then I'll follow. Let me get this out of the way, and then all my attention is yours. But what this says at the core of it, at the core of these statements and this heart is, Jesus, you are not first. I have other firsts. So for now, you're somewhere down the line in other things. I have other things that are above you. Fan number three in Luke 9, verses 61. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Again, but first is not a hallmark of following Jesus. That is putting Jesus second. This is a really hard sentence to read, but at its core it is obvious. Jesus is not looking for half-hearted fans. Being a part-time follower is not an option. The Bible never endorses Sunday Christians. They've given the church a really bad name. Both the second and the third fan are dealing with one issue in particular. Priority. Priority. Let me ask you the question I've had to ask myself this week. Is Jesus your one of many or is he your one and only? When it comes to priority... Is he first, the first fruits, the first gift, the first love, the first following? Is he, the one, is he your one and only first love, or is he one of many loves? You've heard, if you've been here for any amount of time, if, you're, if you've been a part of the orchard, you've heard the story of, of when I was in Atlanta. Church there, married to uh, my then previous wife, and how things were going great. And then I found out about my then wife's uh, first affair. And I'll never forget this moment when it was, the, it might have been the day, as I was thinking through this, it was the day or the next day where I had just found out what, what had happened, that there was somebody else in her life. And we went to see a movie just to get our minds off it. I don't even know what happened in the movie. I mean, I, it was so fresh. And I'll never forget, I was walking into this movie theater in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and I asked this question, do you love him? Do you love him? She said, yeah, but I love you too. And that is not how marriage nor faith is supposed to be lived out. See, Jesus is clear. Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Is Jesus your one of many or is he your one and only? But I love you too. That's not what true followership is. In fact, I want to challenge you. You know, we live in Colorado here. Those locally, you've been on a hike before. Go on a hike, put two people in front of you, and try to follow both of them. Anytime there's a a break in the trail, you'll know who you're following very quickly. But I love you too as life progresses doesn't really work. Following more than one thing in your life doesn't work. Is Jesus your one and only or your, or one of many? These are heavy questions. I get it. This is heavy stuff. We discuss this hard truth because I believe it's eternally important. It's vital that we understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus stated in that verse I talked about at the beginning that at the end of the age there will be people who thought they were following but found out they were just fans. That they might have painted their face and and worn the jersey and they had the pom-poms and they showed up and but they never followed. In Orchard, we claim to build our lives and we build this church on his message of love God and love people. But I don't want us to be a church that paints our faces, wears the t shirts, sings some songs on Sundays, but we miss out on following Jesus, which is all that matters. Love God above all things, love people as yourself, love God first and foremost and there's ways to begin to engage in those more and more as you read his word as you become to know his heart know him not just about him as you pray as you say yes to his ways as you say no to the ways that he's asked you to, to say no to that we can re-engage in this and that's the hope you're, if you're listening wherever you are as you're listening to this that you say this is a moment where I ha- I'm going to make some decisions to re-engage in following Jesus actually following him not just being a fan In John 6, Jesus delivers the most difficult sermon I've read. It's hard to stomach what he says in John 6. It's so hardcore. The fans around Jesus, in verse 60, they say, how can anyone accept this teaching? Can you imagine a sermon that hardcore? I was going to give it, but I didn't want to. How can anyone accept this? And based on that difficult teaching, it says next at this point, many of his disciples, his disciples, turned away and deserted Jesus. Now, not the twelve. There were seventy-two. There were hundreds. There were thousands. And they heard this teaching and they thought, oh, I'm out of here. I can't take that. And Jesus, he, he turned to the twelve in verse six. He turned to the twelve. He said, What about you? What about you? Are you also going to leave because this is hard? And Peter replied, Lord. To whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Like, to who else would I follow? What else in this world would I give my life to? Who else would I follow? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, you are the way to eternal life. Yes, it's hard, but I will follow you when it's difficult. And Peter, he, he, did he fail? Often, and it's recorded in here. But Peter followed Jesus when it wasn't easy. He followed Jesus at the end of his life. When it was difficult, he followed Jesus to a cross where he was crucified upside down. Where else can I go? What Peter's saying is here, I will follow when it's not comfortable. I'll follow when it's not convenient. And what about us? It's a good moment for us to have an honest conversation in our own hearts today. Am I I a true follower? Or am I a fan? I believe the world is looking for authentic faith and real truth of people who are truly followers of Jesus, not part-time fans. And Orchard, I know you. I know many of you. We we're a church that is, is, is built on God's word and what it says about him and, 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 and illuminating Jesus to this world and saying yes to him. So let's ask these questions. Am I a true follower? Or am I a fan? God is looking for a few people. He's looking for a people who would take him at his word and who would follow him on the narrow path of life, people who would love what God loves, people whose hearts would break at what break God's heart, people who would drop their old life and the old sin that so easily entangles us, and they would turn their hearts toward Jesus and follow him. They would follow him on the fiery stones of conviction that few people dare to tread, drawing near to him when the valley is dark and the circumstances are dire, drawing upon his power and presence when life is hard, to live a life worthy of the divine calling he's actually given us to illuminate Jesus to the world out there who needs him by our words and by our actions, to spend ourselves on his behalf, to to, to spend our life, to realize he gave his life for us and so we just give it right back to him. And so that someday, after a lifetime of following Jesus, I can spend myself and someday fall exhausted into his arms and hear him say, my son, my daughter, well done. Enter into my father's rest. He's looking for people who are willing to spend everything he's given them in this life for the life to come. To not be trapped by comfort zones and convenience, but in conviction, say Jesus, I will follow you in a culture that will not. I will stand for you in places that they will not and I will speak of you and love you, and I will love others on your behalf in this life so that when I get there, when I get to the world to come, there are people there who know you because you gave me the privilege of illuminating Jesus to them in their life. Orchard, he's looking for a people who take him at his word, who courageously will follow him wherever he leads us. I believe that we have that in us. And so today we ask, are we enthusiastic admirers of Jesus? Are we authentic fans of Jesus? Authentic followers of Jesus? As we end this and go into some worship, we have, we're gonna have some elders. My wife and I will be over here. We wanna pray with you. If, you have, if, if this has convicted, you will have some others of us in the back. If you would like prayer for these things or prayer for something in your life, come find one of us. We wanna pray over you. And for others of you, as we go into communion, don't take it yet, but I want you to take out the elements of communion because in the elements of communion is the symbol of Jesus's body and blood, broken and shed for us. If you're at home, if you're listening somewhere else throughout the week, you can take communion right where you are. But the elements of communion, they show us how Jesus followed his father when it obviously wasn't comfortable or convenient. And he calls us to lay down our life for him as well. Our hopes and our dreams to give them to him so he can live through us in an amazing way. So as we take communion this morning, remember all that he has done for us. And we worship a God who is so great and who has done so much, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have any other questions or need support, you can contact us at theorchardlife.com. You can help us by liking and subscribing to today's podcast. And we pray that God blesses you.